What is good, everybody? It's your boy, Chef Buck. It's been a while. It's still a while till sports come back, but uh, figured I'd rip in a few podcast or a quick podcasts in. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, you just cannot make this up. I thought that the coronavirus was over. I really did. But apparently it's not. All of a sudden, Florida and Texas are having these, and Arizona are having these big spikes in cases. It's absurd. But before I get into any of that, I got it. I got the worst of it. I I tested positive. I got the CCP virus. It's crazy as it might sound. How did I get it, you ask? Well, how did I go and visit my roommates? I mean, I love them. Always have, always will. Decided to go down to a bar with them. And let's just say my roommate was was, was going to be later tested COVID positive. I was drunk and acting pretty stupid. So it's kind of expected that I would test positive and contract the virus there. So a few days passed by. I went to this bar on Saturday night. It's Thursday. And, you know, people always ask me, what does it feel like? Because no one's ever gotten this virus. People always ask me, what is it like to get this virus? And, you know, it started on Thursday. Thursday after that Saturday. So this is the 18th of of June, I think it is. And start getting some headaches. Started getting, you know, started feeling a bit tired, maybe a bit of stuffy nose. Then the next day, my roommate te- texts me and tells, telling me he got he was COVID positive. So the next day, I could get, I, I had to work unfortunately, so I couldn't get into get a test until the following Tuesday. And the one thing that sucks about coronavirus is the testing takes forever to get back, so I had to wait five whole days to get the te- the text or the email saying I tested positive. And when I, I thought, you know, this whole time I was negative because I didn't get anything back. So all of a sudden it's a Saturday, it's last Saturday. I'm working, working, delivering packages for Amazon. And all of a sudden I get a text. My mom saying, Ethan, you're positive. So I had to call my employer, drive back to the station. They're freaking out. And well, let's just say I've been in quarantine since then. Think I'm probably over it, but I'm playing it safe. You know what's bizarre? I didn't infect a single person. Not one. And you know what else? I didn't even wear a mask. So masks suck. They're fake news. And they're not necessary. So all you Karens out there, come at me, man. Ball that aside... On a serious note, I've talked, I've down, I've said a number of things about the coronavirus, about how it's not as lethal as people say it is and all that, whatever. But after actually contracting the virus, um, and for people wondering what it's like to get the virus, there's one thing I would like to say about this, and, and as a realistic concern is, 
does this virus have long-term health impacts? Now, I've heard that this virus could potentially cause permanent lung damage, permanent organ damage. It could potentially cause cancer. Um, I've even been told that could the virus could possibly get into your heart and cause potential health problems later in life that we don't know about. And that is a realistic concern to me about this virus. And I'll be honest, I almost fainted a couple of times thinking about, you know, possibly, is my life expectancy going to be shorter because of getting the, contracting this virus because I got drunk at a bar when I was 21 years old? That's, I mean, my mom ask, always asks me, Ethan, was it worth it going to that bar and getting COVID? I told her, hell yeah. So, but anyway, enough of the serious shit. You cannot make this up. You cannot make it up. So, the virus was, was declining. Cases were declining. Deaths were declining. Things were opening up. Opening up. Opening up. So, unfortunately, George Floyd was killed in a very unjust way. That sparked riots. And it's, it, it caused... And all these gov- all these governors that are drunk on power say you can't have gatherings of more than ten people. So then the, the death of George Floyd happens, and you get not gatherings of ten, but gatherings of ten thousand people. And I'll say this: the Trump administration stopped when, he, when they stopped having. Uh, daily coronavirus press briefings. I'll say that certainly didn't help. But when there was a restriction of not being able to have more than 10 people for a gathering and you have 10,000 people gathering and no one says a word, that does something significant. And on every TV network you had Every day, on the on the side ticker, you get a, a, a screen of how many cases and how many deaths. In the minute the riot started, that all came down. You had the same health experts telling you to stay at home, don't leave your house, maintain six feet of social distancing, and always wear a mask. Those same health experts, the same suits, are telling you to go out and protest with a group of 10,000 people. I'm not going to I'm not going to say that this is that you know this is the 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 fault of the George Floyd protesters because you know what? I told them they should be able to go out and peacefully protest. There should not be a, a restriction on freedom of assembly. The first amendment. But this is just absolutely, like, what caused it is, you know, these health experts just suddenly changing course. The media just completely stopped. They completely forget about the coronavirus. There is no more talk of coronavirus on television. So that just, I mean, it's kind of like um, when you don't, inf- when you when you do something one time and you see, you know, for example, if you're, if, if you're a uh, a student in class and you see a, a, a the teacher will let one kid get away with one thing that's, you know, bad, you're going to do it too. So the media and the health and the suits in the health industry say that 
you know, this group of people can go and, you know, gather in, in, by the thousands and protest. So that's, what does that lead to? That leads to all these college kids going out to bars. People just for completely forget about this pandemic happening. But, of course, the suits have to find someone else to blame. They have to shift the blame because, really, this has got to be their fault. This has to be their fault. Um, so they say, oh, well, this spike in cases, it's because these governors reopened too early. They reopened too early. But there wasn't a spike in cases until now, which makes no, no sense. So for Florida, Colorado, Georgia, Texas, all these states opened in the first week of May. They're having spikes in cases in the second last week of June. I don't understand how that has to do with reopening too soon. And it also could have to do with um, possibly... Um, because let's say, for example, here in the Midwest, when do virus outbreaks typically happen? Well, they happen the most when people are indoors more often, when the weather outside is not as good and people hunker down inside when it's cold, they don't want to go outside and, you know, they don't, they're not going outside getting the same vitamin D, they're closer together, they're not, you know. The virus is more likely to spread when people in the Midwest are indoors. And in Arizona, Texas, and Florida, it's that time of year for them. The weather is unbearably hot outside. People are not going outside as they typically would in, let's say, the fall and the winter in those states. Because I've been to Texas in the spring, in the spring it's hot enough down then, but it's even hotter now. So that's has probably plays a big role in why the virus is spreading big time there. And, of course, everyone's freaking out about the hospital supposedly being overwhelmed in these states. Now, I got to say, first of all, there is no excuse. It's been over three months. Over three months. How can you not get this under control? How can you not have the additional capacity for any additional hospital beds. Makes no sense. Apparently, Arizona's at capacity. Texas is at capacity. Houston's at capacity. I will get, okay, in Minnesota, for example, I gotta give credit to Mayo. Mayo. Without Mayo and their health health clinic and their help with testing and extra hospital beds and all their ideas, we would not be where we are today in Minnesota. In both Jacksonville, Florida, and in Scottsdale, Arizona, there are Mayo's, Mayo clinics down in each of the Florida and Arizona. So there's absolutely no reason not to be prepared for this spike in cases. And um, let's see here. I think I have a bit of an interesting. Let's see here. I'm going to find it. Uh, so in Florida, everyone's freaking out. In April and May, the average age of cases was 60. The age bracket death rate was 3.4% with 50 deaths per day. Now we're in June. The average age of 
uh, COVID, I think it's deaths or cases, deaths is 40. The age bracket death rate is 0.7%, and there are 10 deaths a day on average. Earlier this week in in Arizona, three deaths a day. So Arizona is shutting down. So now Arizona and Texas and Florida and Texas, they're so spineless. I thought up to this point that Abbott, Ducey, and um, DeSantis had, had done a great job in handling their virus until now. I thought they'd been doing a good job, but they caved. They caved and they failed the people that voted for them. I guarantee you a very large portion of people that vote for Republicans, whether it's Senate, Congress, governors, I don't care. They may not believe in a lot of the the policies and beliefs that these governors believe in, but they want them to stand up to the left. They want them to the left. They want them to stand up to the media and to the Washington, to the so-called Washington establishment. And after take, leading the charge in reopening the country and, and their states, they caved under the pressure being exerted on them by the media. All because of a bunch of young kids testing positive. And... All you're hearing in the media is there's these massive spikes in cases. But this is what they won't tell you. On Sunday and Monday, they had the lowest amount of deaths from the coronavirus in a two-day span since March 24th. 25th. That is pretty crazy. And, and, and all we're hearing is these massive spikes in cases. This could change. This could change. But this is pretty outrageous to me. And I am pretty upset about this. So, and I got another thing to read here. So, I don't understand this whole logic behind shutting down schools because people want to shut down schools in the fall. So there are 20 million kids between the ages of 15 and 19. 10,000 high schoolers die each year. Accidents of all types lead to 6K a year. Leading cause of death. Suicide is the second leading cause of death. Over 3,000 high school-age kids commit suicide each year. Fewer than 20 high school students have been killed by coronavirus. And 30 or more, 30, more than 30 of them have been related to, these lock, related to these lockdowns, including one that happened right in my hometown of Lakeville. Absolutely absurd. I think this is completely unacceptable. And so... Everyone's in Houston's always saying, you know what? The hospitals are at 97% capacity. We're going to need to use the Houston Texans Stadium as a temporary hospital. That won't happen. But exactly one year ago today, it was at 95%. It's normal for the percent capacity to be at 80 to 90%. That's how they operate there. 
Also, 15,000 excess deaths possible from the coronavirus this year. This is absurd. Completely absurd. Now, what else should we get into? Um, let's see. Masks are... Is, mis- masking is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But oh, actually, well, before I get that, I mean... What, what, what happened to this um, 14th Amendment, you know? Equal protection of the law. I mean... Everyone just ripping on these people. These, these bar goers. Ripping on the Tulsa rally for Donald Trump. I mean, all this. But you can peacefully protest. I mean, I support... I think everybody. I don't care who should be able to go out and do what they want. Freedom of assembly. If they, if they, are, if they are willing to take the risk of getting COVID, that's fine. Fine with me. But don't... But don't ignore the protest, the rioters, and just completely shame everyone else. 14th Amendment, equal protection, everything like that. The masking is ridiculous. Masking is ridiculous. Completely absurd. I mean... I, it's okay. I can understand, you know, if a state wants to say here, Hey, here's our guidelines. We recommend that you have people wear masks in your store. That's one thing. But today the governor of Pennsylvania, for example, is requiring people to wear masks. It's ridiculous. Anytime they go outside their house. I mean, so for all the all the people that are saying, you know, Sweden, Norway, and Finland. Sorry, hold on, pull this up. Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark. The best the countries with the best or so Iceland too. Best countries with the best healthcare. Most developed countries in the world. They are saying young people should not be wearing masks. There is no evidence to help. Sweden says face masks are not needed in everyday life. The best way to protect oneself and others is to keep distance from other people and to maintain good hand hygiene. Norway says, based on current epidemiological situ- situation, the Norwegian Institute of Health says there is no scientific basis for recommending the general use of face masks in the population. Let's see what uh, Finland said. The governor will say there is no evidence of extensive use of masks by healthy people will help reduce infections. see here let's see what danish health authority said they said yeah they said there is no it says this is denmark furthermore mouth or face masks can cause more harm than good for one thing you have to know how to use a mask correctly and how to dispose of it responsibly incorrect use of a mouth or face mask can increase the risk of your hands being contaminated with the virus when you remove or correct or you know uh remove or put the mask in place and thereby thereby increasing the risk of contact spread the danish health authorities who are widely believed to be better than the u.s health authorities are saying this 
Yet they're they're trying to mandate. I mean, okay, if I say I want to wear a mask, that's my choice. Okay, I'm not gonna get into the whole abortion debate, but the people advocating for mandatory masks are saying it's my body, my choice. There's also been so there's also been evidence that wearing masks can cause increased headaches. They can entrap viruses and kill off potential protective bacteria and viruses within you that can help fight off antibodies as well. That can help fight off if you get a COVID infection. But if you wear a mask, that can hurt those potential defensive factors. So what happened to this whole my body, my choice argument? That's out the window. This is nothing but an agenda-driven idea. And I will never wear a mask until I get the answer that I want, which is what are the long-term effects? Because wearing a mask says that I show solidarity with what the health, the, the fear porn that the suits in the health industry are pushing. The other thing I got to say is the mainstream media are the modern day Vincent Van Gogh. They're Vincent Van Gogh. Before I get into this, uh, I mean, so according to the main, to the, to, to the suits, um, Florida is just so bad. I mean, they have more coronavirus cases than all of Europe, apparently. They're just so terrible. I mean, they're just the absolute worst. But here I go. They, they are telling, the suits are telling you that, uh, I mean, it's just the absolute uh, worst out there. But I mean, let me just read out the... Um, Deaths from a corona. Most death, the highest death rate states. You got number one, New York. Number two, New Jersey. Number three, Rhode Island. Number four, Massachusetts. Number five, D.C. Number six, Connecticut. Number seven, Louisiana. Number eight, Delaware. Number nine, Arizona. Number 10, Illinois. Number 11, Maryland. Now, what all does have in common? Uh, let's see here. All those, but one of those either have a Democrat governor, Democrat, Democrat states, or they have agenda-driven governors. With the with excluding Arizona, Arizona they are number eight. That's been rising there lately. They have an older population. But it doesn't mean they're going to try to change the narrative here. If you watch the media lately, they'll they'll show this hospitals to the capacity in Texas, Arizona, Florida. And they'll just show New York saying, in New Jersey, it's perfect there. It's perfect. Nothing's wrong there. It's going perfect. They handle it perfectly, despite the fact that they have more deaths than anyone. And that just is not acceptable to me. The other thing is this death count is totally inflated. No question about it. It is laughable. Laughable. According to Dr. Burks, if you die with coronavirus, 
Doesn't matter if it's the primary cause of death. If you die with the coronavirus in your system, if you're coronapositive when you die, it you are marked as a coronavirus death. No questions asked. So according to that logic, so I'll get according to that logic, George Floyd will be free. I'll get more of that in a second here. But let me read this quickly here. Um, let's see. So this article is from CBS Denver. So police in Cortez, Colorado were called to Cortez City Park early on May 4. They found Sebastian Yellow, 35, lying on the ground and called it out as a code, Frank, meaning Yellow had died, according to a police report. Within a week, the county coroner, George Devers, determined that this guy had died of acute alcohol poisoning. His blood limit was measured at 0.55, nearly twice the lethal limit. But he said that before he even signed the death certificate, the Colorado Department of Health and Environment had already categorized Yellow's death as being due to coronavirus. And it was tabulated that way on the state's website. But I mean, he did die of the coronavirus. But maybe that means from drinking too much Corona beer, not from Corona the sickness. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm supposed to buy into that. There is absolutely no way. I mean, plus you had New Jersey. New Jersey just out of nowhere last week decides, you know what? We're going to add 1,800 to that total. And this just shames me. Because I see on CNN and CBS, the U.S. has, there are 500,000 whatever deaths in the world and 130,000 in the U.S. The U.S., makes up well over one-fifth of the po- of the world's coronavirus deaths despite only having 10% of the population ever it is. I mean, it's all about ripping, making America look like a piece of crap. The worst country, we just suck so bad. It's not because we're actually doing bad, it's because, you know what, it's people like New Jersey, the health department, suits in New Jersey that just say, you know what, we're going to add 1,800 deaths to our death total. We maybe had the highest death rate of coronavirus in the entire country, but we're not going to get blamed for it. It's all going to be blamed on the president and just him, pretty much. The more the more death the more deaths the better for them. It's pretty pathetic. So according to that logic, uh, that means uh, Derek Chauvin's an innocent man. George Floyd did not die from, from uh, being murdered. He died from the coronavirus because he had corona in the system. He didn't die of it, but he had in the system. So therefore, it's a coronavirus death. No questions asked. Absurd. Beyond absurd. And speaking of this, I'll get this. You know what? So I got a speeding ticket back in uh, February by, from a state trooper. Tried for a, I called, I called the courthouse 17 times. 17 times. 
stopped in there in person once, sent four emails. One, two, three, four. Couldn't get a court date set up because of fucking lockdown. I'm saying fuck the ticket. It's a $130 ticket. Fuck that shit. I am not paying it. Because you know what? Tick, 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 you police officers. Your days are numbered. You're fucked. Because you know what? The police are getting defunded. And you are in a world of trouble, bud. They're calling to defund the police. And you know what? On this show, on March 23rd, I predicted this would happen. I called it. And now it's I was called crazy. I was made fun of. Here I am. You know what? Next, it's going to be prisons. Forget that. Those will get abolished. They'll replace them with political prisons. Whoever they don't like, they'll throw there. Throw in there. Uh, then it'll be the military. That'll be next. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I'll just say this. I'm not gonna rip. I'm not gonna rip abolishing the police, defunding the police. I'm not gonna rip it because you know what? Clearly, the American people want it. The American people want the police defunded because you know what? Back in early May. Trump was only down five or six points to four, five, six points to Biden. Now Trump is down by 14 to 15 points. Donald Trump is getting whopped in Florida. He's down by eight points there. Donald Trump is getting crushed in Arizona and North Carolina as well. Michigan, he's down by 16, by the way. Uh, Texas, he's down by five or six. Missouri, he's only up by four. He might lose Texas. He might lose Missouri. He's only up by two points in Arkansas. He might lose Arkansas. He won that by 30 points in 2016. All I can say is this. The American people have spoken. And the police, they're going to be defunded. That's what Americans want. Trust me. America has spoken. They want to defund the police. And it's going to happen. And if that means voting for Joe Biden, and Joe Biden wants to fund the police, so people are going to vote for him. And you know, I'm going to make two ridiculously crazy predictions right now. And what will happen for the election? Number one, there's going to be a vaccine. It's going to come out in about early October sometime. People will be so worn out from this pandemic. Sports will be totally crushed. The elderly can never leave their house. Can never see their their relatives at all. People are scared to death of this. It's the peak of flu season. And some suit like Rick Bright will come out with a new vaccine. But they'll have strings attached to it. I'm not exactly sure how they'll frame it. But they'll frame it. They'll, they'll, Joe Biden and will find a way to say, you know what? If you vote for me, you will all have a vaccine. But if you vote for, if you vote for Donald Trump, there won't be a vaccine. And they'll promise to make it free too. I'm not sure how it's going to look, but I can guarantee you that will happen. Some suit like Rick Bright will come up with a vaccine around October-ish. Number two, Derek Chauvin's a free man. As despicable as it sounds, Chauvin should be in jail 
But the but for the Demo- for the for the Democrats to win an election, who are in control of the justice system in Minnesota, in control of power in Minnesota, the best thing they can have happen is have George Floyd acquitted on the basis that George Floyd had coronavirus and therefore Derek Chauvin did not kill him. They could have had so many different prosecutors on this case. They had probably the man in Minnesota with the least integrity, the, the prosecutor with the least possible integrity on this case in Keith Ellison. He clearly has an agenda, clearly has bias. Not saying that's a bad thing, but it just, you want integrity, you want total neutrality that has the best chance of getting the guilty plea. And they, they know that if Derek Chauvin gets let off without a charge, that will encourage more rioting and it will encourage more people to vote for them for social, on behalf of the image of social justice. So that's two things right there. Vaccine and Derek Chauvin's getting off. Those are two far-fetched predictions, but they're but they're, 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 it's possible. And by the way, they're going to replace them. They're not getting abolished in the police. They're going to replace them with the Red Guard or Stasi or a Gestapo, KGB. I don't know, something of that nature. But there will be police. It'll just be completely changed. Now, uh, I mean, people are using this kind of to push in general. I got to say one, another one more thing before I get on to sports, but freaking number one, Carlos Curbelo. Carlos Curbelo is the biggest simp in American politics. He's a Republican running for the House in Florida. He's been, he's, he's he lost his election in 2018. But he's running again. This man is such a simp. He's one of those people like, oh my goodness. We get a crop. I can't hurt the Democrats' feelings. You are. Uh, we we just gotta stay in the. the, the, the oh, honey. We gotta do a Green New Deal because if we don't, we're just gonna. People are gonna wanna. We won't win elections, basically. Fucking bet. He takes a knee in front of the, every, all of them, man. I can guarantee you one thing. Jeb Bush is somewhere looking at uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal and saying, oh my gosh, man. She stole my idea, but uh, I'm white privileged, so... uh." Maybe it's best I didn't. <laughs> this is pathetic. Now, now I got to rip on Donald Trump a bit here. Hong Kong just lost its freedom. In Donald Trump's campaign for 2016, for his first term of presidency, Donald Trump relentlessly ripped tore into President Obama. On the basis of allowing uh, Ukraine to be invaded under his watch, on the basis of uh, appeasing the, of appeasing the Iranians, 
But now here the, the people of Hong Kong have lost their freedom. Basically the same exact thing has happened in Hong Kong as what happened in Ukraine in 2014. Donald Trump promised to be that guy where a hostile leader would not do something like that to America under his watch. And it happened. It's just, I, I cannot believe it. You think he would do something about it, but no, he is not. We'll see what he does. But he thought that he thought that the Chinese president was a great guy, built a, a great relationship with him, invited him to Mar-a-Lago, when he literally is the modern-day Adolf Hitler. They are flooding their citizens, and they are they're. I don't know it's going with these coronavirus-shaped hailstones. Random tornadoes. Pathetic. Also, we're dealing with a modern... America is very quickly turning into, quickly turning into Nazi, Nazi Germany here. Quickly. And I cannot remember a time in my lifetime, my parents' lifetime, or my grandparents' lifetime where the President of the United States is not the most powerful person in the country. The most powerful people in the country are Jack Dorsey in Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg in Facebook and Instagram, Sanjar, whatever his name is with Google and YouTube, Jeff Bezos of Amazon. They have they, they are the most powerful people in America. They can control who gets their voice heard, who's the most popular. If you don't say something that, that goes along with the narrative, they can purge you straight off of there. They can purge you. Now, I don't know how this was out. I mean, in, 20, in 26, until January 19, 2017, the president of the United States was the most popular person, or sorry, most powerful person in America. And I don't know where that this this changed, but the president of the United States is no longer the most powerful person in the country. It's private citizens that have the it's oligarchs that have the most power in the country. That's despicable to me. Despicable. I don't know how bet President Trump allowed this to happen. Then you have a modern day Gleithausgang. Like Taoskong was Nazi, how the Nazis Nazified their country, pushed propaganda, anti-Semitic propaganda, fascist, national socialist propaganda on their country. They purged opposition on college campuses. They put agendas into youth education. That's what we're seeing right now. Test scores and proficiency and literacy rates are going way down. Way down. Woke agendas are being taught in, in public schools instead of unbiased, down-the-middle education that's focused on highest intelligence and in students. If you dissent from a what goes on in a political, um, on a college campus in a workplace, in popular culture. It does not matter your race. It does not matter your political beliefs. You will be purged. 
That is not acceptable. That is what happened in Nazi Germany, and that is what is happening right here. And President Trump is doing nothing about it. Nothing. And somebody does, because let me tell you, if President Trump loses the general election in this this uh, fall, you are going to see a modern-day great purge. Not like a Joseph Stalin great purge, but you will be surprised at how many people will be purged from, whether it's social media, from popular culture. All, I can hear, so from a political standpoint, um, let's see here. Tucker Carlson, gone. Rush Limbaugh, gone. Sean Hannity, gone. Ben Shapiro, gone. Glenn Beck, gone. Mark Levin, gone. Laura Ingram, gone. Who else am I thinking, missing out on? Um, uh, I, it's, Fox News will be a liberal, net, liberal, liberal network. No question about it. Um, that's just from a political standpoint. Uh, Trump, Donald Trump will be banned from Twitter. No question about that. Um, I mean, they started with Alex Jones, who is, I guess he's kind of a crazy voice though, but I mean, they're not, they're not stopping there. I can tell you that much. And so then from a, from a sports standpoint, they want, they will purge a number of other people from the, from the airwaves. They want it to be just a single, a single, a single, you know, one sort of one idea type sports network. They want it to be just, you know, just ESPN type thing. So then after that, after they get rid of the Tucker Carlson's and the Rush Limbaugh's and all, all them of the world, David Rubens, they'll come after the Clay Travises and the Jason Whitlocks and the Colin Cowherds, the people who, who have open-minded beliefs on whether it's sports or just life in general. They will purge them from every sports platform and network. They'll purge Will, the Will Canes of the world, the Bill Simmons of the world. They want, they basically want to be, you know, the basic Max Kellerman. They want the people to be the Max Kellermans, the Stephen A. Smiths, the Mike Florios, the Peter Kings, um, who else? The Jamel Hills of the world. They want them to be the sole voice of the sports world. They don't want these descendant open, descending open-minded, um, down the middle sports personalities. They want them all gone. Completely gone. And that's just, it's just, um, it's very unfortunate that this is what's going to come to. But then they'll all say, they won't stop there. They will not stop there. They'll come for Joe Rogan next. I don't listen to Joe Rogan, but I know he's very popular. They'll come for him next. Then they will come for Barstool Sports. They already are coming for Barstool Sports, but they will do whatever they can to get them off the air. They want, instead of Barstool Sports, they want Deadspin. They want Deadspin as the leading, you know, popular culture sports mix. They are going to do whatever they can to get Portnoy off the air. Everything they can do. Same thing with KFC. Same thing with Big Cat, uh, PFT, uh, all of them. 
they're going to do what and call our daddy too. All of them. They'll. I don't know what the, I don't know what their motive is going to be. But mark my words, they will do whatever they can to get them all gone. They, there will be a massive great purge if Joe Biden wins the election in 2019. 2020, sorry, 2020. Um, what else? I have to talk about this also. Um, is despicable. Um, if you live in, let's say you live in Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Colorado, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Arkansas, um, Tennessee, Kentucky, where Indiana, you name it. You have no chance of being a, a big picture, big person in cult, pop culture. None. No chance. Uh, think of any big, any big name you can think of, uh, whether it be, you know, entertainment or, uh, anything. They all come from, you know, these elitist states, these all elitist, uh, elitist, you know, wealthy elitist families go to private schools, go to the Harvards, the Yales, the Dartmouths, the Michigans, the, uh, Princeton, Dartmouth, Penn, whatever. Ithaca College, Cornell, UCL, USC, whatever. Um, you know, 90% of America, 95% of Americans have no prayer of this. And CNN and all these, um, companies will tell you they are all about diversity, all about equality. Let me just go on the list here. I'm going to start with New York, so New York Times. There's crap. Forget about them. Uh, let's start with CNN here. Let's go over their hosts. Brooke Baldwin hosts a show. Went to Atlanta Private School in the University of North Carolina. What color is her skin? White. Dana Bash is from Rich Bergen County, New Jersey. Went to George Washington University. What color is her skin? White. Wolf Blitzer from Buffalo, New York. Went to Johns Hopkins University. What color is his skin? White. Aaron Burnett is from Maryland. Went to a private school in Williams College. What color is her skin? White. Allison Camerata from New Jersey. Went to American U. What color is her skin? White. Chris Cuomo went to Yale. What color is his skin? White. Anderson Cooper is from New York City. Went to Yale. What color is his skin? White. John King went to went to he's from Boston. Went to Rhode Island. What color is his skin? White. Jake Tapper's from Philadelphia. Went to Dartmouth. What color is his skin? White. Jeffrey Tubin from New York City. Went to Harvard. What color is his skin? White. Brian Williams. Where is this guy? From New York City. Went to George Washington. What color is his skin? White. Katie Tour, daughter of a former NBC anchor herself. Went to Brent, went to Cal Santa Barbara from Brentwood, California. What color is your skin? White. Uh, let's see here. 
I got uh, just maybe one more here. Uh, David Moore from New York. What color is his skin? From ABC News. White. You get the point. These suits in the media, these Karens in the media, will preach to you all about diversity. But they're not about that. Are you kidding me? I just listened, listened to you, all the, big, the biggest personalities on all those networks. And not one of them are minority from from a from a oppressed background. They're all from these elitist rich families. It's pathetic. It really is. <coughs> anyway, I gotta get into some sports here. Um I don't know how the NBA is gonna look, really. Um we have all these players backing out. Starting with uh Davis Bertans, Avery Bradley, Thabo Safalosha. They're only hurting themselves, man. I don't see their purpose here. I, I I don't see how this NBA playoff can be taken seriously here. It's just a complete joke. I don't see how the ratings are going to be high. You have a number of players that have already come out and said they're not going to be doing this. I don't know how many more are going to be coming out and saying it's still in the future. I mean, let's say, for example, you're Bradley Beal on the Washington Wizards. Your best, your, your best teammate, John Wall, is already done for the season. You're arguably your next best player, Davis Bertans, comes out and says, I'm not coming out. What incentives does Bradley Beal to come out and play? He might just say, you know what, the hell with this. We have no shot at winning. I'm going to wait till next year. When I have John Wall back and and Berton's back, could there be more possibly? I mean, I know for example in the MLB we haven't we've heard a few players like Ian Desmond come out and say we're not going to play. But the question is, will there be more possibly coming out saying I'm not going to play? Uh, you look at um, Mike Trout for example has a pregnant girlfriend, pregnant wife, whatever. I don't know what the status of his relationship is. Because we saw what happened with Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of England, who got coronavirus and infected his wife. It potentially jeopardized the status of his pregnant wife and and his future son. So if someone's in a situation like Mike Mike Trout, I doubt that they come out and play. The NFL also might be in a very similar situation here. Who knows? Plus, you have the Black Lives Matter thing on the court. I'm not going to get into Black Lives Matter now. I really don't want to. I don't really feel like it. Players are going to be allowed to have their custom uh, on the back of their jerseys. Instead of their names, they can have some sort of social justice statement. So I'm just kind of curious as to what that will say. Will it say justice? Will it say Black Will they put Black Lives Matter on the back of their jersey? Sorry about that. I got cut off. But anyway, as I was saying before, you got guys like Mike Trout who has a pregnant wife. Um, very possible that we'll see guys like him hold out. Um, we've already had a number of NBA players such as Avery Bradley, um, Thawis Cephalosha, Davis Burtons, and others that are holding out. So that should be interesting. But my main concern with as far as sports go is if a situation happens similar as to what happened with the Milwaukee Bucks practice facility just this past weekend. 
they didn't clarify at all how many players tested positive and how many didn't test positive. But whatever the situation was, they decided that it was substantial enough to shut down their practice facility until they left for the Orlando tournament in a few weeks. And I'm telling, I'm just really worried because if that's a situation that is to happen, you know, in Orlando or during the actual season, that is something that is very concerning to me. Because I think that is something that could, you know, if you have a team that gets a you know an inter-team outbreak and they have to stop playing games, whether that's whether that's in the NFL, NBA, or whatever, that's going to totally uproot things. You know, even in Orlando in the bubble. If there's a two, if there's a you know if there's a player that tests if you know if LeBron James or I don't know Kawhi Leonard or any of those players were to test positive within the two weeks with you know within the two week span they can't play that would totally change the scenery change the whole outlook of what this playoffs would look like. Imagine if you are the Lakers and you're in the NBA Western Conference semifinals. And LeBron James tests positive for coronavirus, and he's out for he has to sit out for two weeks minimum. We're talking about a whole team season being derailed after all they've gone through, all of the whatever 60, 70, whatever regular season games, a whole I don't know three month hiatus, and then your season gets ended by your best player testing positive for coronavirus. At a very inconvenient time. Because that is something that is very realistic and very possible. And that's something that, that concerns me. Because, you know, if a situation like that were to happen. Where you have a, you know, a, a certain string attached. A certain string attached to, you know, um, players testing positive. That could cause a disaster. But, really quickly, as far as the NBA playoffs go. Um, I've made it clear that um, I'm not going to be. Watching the NBA playoffs, really, uh, uh, this year at least, I think it's going to be a complete disaster and total joke. You already have a number of top players sitting out. I don't see any scenario where you could consider this a legitimate NBA Finals relative to other past seasons because of all the hiatus situations and players sitting out, some players playing, some players not playing. You have all neutral site games. Um, I, I'd say that the biggest winner out of this whole NBA and Orlando thing is definitely the LA Clippers because, um, you know, as every time the Clippers play at home against the Los Angeles Lakers, there are always a massive amount more of Laker fans than Clipper fans at every single home game. So if the Lakers were to play the Clippers in the, in the playoffs in a regular format, that would be a tremendous obstacle for the Clippers because I cannot think of a time where a team had to play essentially seven road games, and that's exactly what the Clippers would be doing. So that's a big-time advantage for the L.A. Clippers, but um, I don't know what this whole social justice thing is that the NBA is doing. Um, they have the Black Lives Matter thing on the court, obviously. The players are allowed to wear um, you know, statements in the back. I mean, what is it gonna? What my question is, what is that gonna say on the back? Is it gonna say defund the police? Is it, is it gonna say justice for George? Which I mean, that's that's, that's decent, understandable. You know, maybe you have a side patch, but you know, having this big, I guess, social justice statement instead of your player's last name for the whole playoff is a bit. I don't see the agenda and what that accomplishes. I understand if you want to get a tattoo or put it somewhere on the jersey, but to have it, you know, such so 
in such a large format that's kind of tough to understand what that accomplishes. But looking at the uh, looking at the playoffs, you know the teams that are at the top, uh, in both the East and the West. You have you know the Lakers, Clippers, LA teams. You got, uh, I mean, you got Houston too, the Rockets. But I mean, I, honestly, other than those three, um, I can't really think of anyone else that poses a serious threat to those three teams. Um, I don't see. Despite Oklahoma City playing so well against the spread, don't see them beating beating them at all. Uh, the Jazz of Utah, same with the Denver Nuggets, they had solid records. They played solid defense all year, but I mean, I've already gone over the inconsistencies within the Utah Jazz starting lineup. I don't think either of those teams have even close to the firepower of knocking off either um, LA, um, or, or LA, either LA team or Houston. Um, I think if Golden State was able to play in this with a healthy Steph Curry and maybe possibly Clay Thompson, I'd give them a chance. But obviously they're not. They're one of the eight teams not headed back. And then out east you have Boston. You have, uh, well, Brooklyn's pretty much done. But you have Boston. You have, uh, let's see here. You have Milwaukee. You have Indiana. I'm just going off the top of my head. Miami. Um, the Wizards. The Sixers. You have all these um, coastal teams and these big market, um, big market, flashy cities that all these top players want to play at. And the only way I watch the finals this year is if the Bucks go and make it, because thinking about it, I cannot remember a time in my life, in my life, where you know, a team, where a small market team. Without LeBron James, by the way, when a small market team is made to the playoffs and won. Last year, obviously, we had um, the Toronto Raptors. It's the biggest city in Canada. Very massive city. Golden State, Silicon Valley. Very wealthy city. Very large city. You obviously had uh, LeBron. You had um, the Spurs. It's Texas, big state. Um, Dallas, another big city, big state. Miami Heat, big city, big state. But, I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks would be an interesting story because the last team I can think of from a small market town without a star, you know, without without a LeBron James. I mean, um, I understand Giannis is a good player, but in terms of just a marketing, a mark, in terms of a marketable player, I don't think you can put Giannis on the same pedestal as LeBron just yet. I don't think you'll ever get to that point because it's hard to get to where LeBron is now in terms of fame and image and um, overall performance as well. But you have Giannis, and I think the city of Milwaukee and the city of Wisconsin, I'd love to see you know, an NBA team from there pull pull this off. And I, that's the only way I could see myself watching a playoff game is if they can make it that far. Also, another news for sports, the MLB came out with their schedule. At first glance, my thought was, well, well, my, before the schedule came out, my thoughts were, you know, the Tigers have a realistic chance at setting the MLB record of fewest wins in a season because there's only 60 games this season. The lowest of all time. I've been very clear on this from the start. Ron Gardenhire and Al Avila had no business returning this season. They were the worst team in baseball last year. The team had absolutely no heart and no talent. 
the only player on the team that had some sort of talent. Well, actually, only two players that did. Um, you had uh, Miguel Cabrera, who would never finish a game. He would either, um, you know, play seven innings or so, you know, go, maybe go one for three and get ejected. One for four, one for three, get ejected. Or he'd get pinch ran for in the eighth or ninth inning. Every single game, getting paid tens of millions a, a year to do this. Then you have Matthew Boyd, who is in basically in trade talks from, from week one. You still have Jordan Zimmerman on the, la, the tail end of that massive contract with like a six or 700 ERA, which is ridiculous. Then you have Jake Rogers, who is just, oh, we could have got, gotten Alex Bregman instead of this guy. Instead, we have Jake Rogers, who's hitting, I mean, he's a great catcher. I give him respect for that, but he is hitting sub 200. I don't care. This guy was supposed to be a stud pro- prospect. If you are hitting sub 200, you just do not have, you do not have any business being in the MLB, period. I don't care what excuse you have. If you are hitting sub 200 like Jake Rogers is, and you have Nico Goodrum, who has been rejected by pretty much every MLB team. I mean, when I look at the Tigers roster, I don't see a team that's a contender like the Twins, Yankees, and the AL. I could go on. Red Sox, um, Athletics, Rays, uh, Angels, man, whatever. Astros. Um, I don't see a team full of prospects, young talent, upcoming on the rise stars. I don't see that. I see utility players. I see guys that are not star players, all-star caliber, star, everyday starter type caliber players. And I also don't see guys that are prospects that are guys that are young, upcoming, going to be future stars. I see a bunch of below average players filled. Uh, this team is full of them. And that just disappoints me. And I don't know what what excuse this, this management has. Because they sh- certainly should have none. I'm looking at, it's almost like, and looking at their schedule, I, I was like, oh my gosh, we could start 6-0. Because our first three games are against the Cincinnati Reds. And I don't, I don't, I'm not, I do not know one bit about the Reds roster right now. I haven't looked at it. But all I know is, ever since the Big Red Machine was over, in the whatever 1970s, 80s, whatever, they have the Reds have sucked in this, along with every other sports team in Cincinnati. So, when you have a Cincinnati sports team on your schedule, minus the Bearcats, you can mark that as an automatic W. Unless you're the Lions playing the Bengals on the road on week 16 of 2017, costing us the playoffs. That was completely pathetic. And then you get the Kansas City Royals. And I don't want some bullshit happening. Okay? I don't want some half-hearted where we go, I don't know. I don't know. 35 and... 35 and... Uh, not 35. Oh, my gosh. 25 and 40, whatever. 25 and 45. I, 30 and 40. I, I'm so bad at math. 25 and 35, we'll say. They don't get last. They're not dead last. And... The bullshit garden hire and Avila make up some bullshit excuse for another terrible season and get yet another year all because, oh, we had a short season. No, their 
both of their old asses need to be ran out of town as soon as possible. Because they have just, just completely ruined this franchise. The Tigers. Now, I've heard some pretty idiotic thoughts here. Okay? First of all, Peter King is the biggest bum. The biggest scumbag in all of sports media. I don't know how this guy still has a job, okay? On NBC. On, it's one thing if you're if you're working for Deadspin or some the onion or whatever, some pathetic excuse of a sports writing network. But you work for NBC News. For I mean, first of all, this guy yesterday said that, or whatever, Saturday said that. Ban the hot dog eating contest because it's offensive. Yeah, okay. And this guy thinks that if there's even one new coronavirus death a day, cancel all sports. I mean, okay. I don't know what this guy does. I don't know. All I know is he sucks. I've seen him gotten gotten he's gotten owned on TV so many times. Mike Florio, Clay Travis, I don't everyone. He's a clown. Okay? Like honestly, you could take any scrub from Barstool. Marty Mush. Uh Brandon Walker. Big Ev. Big Ev. Rico Bosco. Hell, even take fucking Mantis. All of them. I guarantee you, you put them in Peter King's spot and they could do the job better than Peter King. Because I don't know what the fuck this guy does. I just see his pic- a picture of him on TV, all- on Twitter and TV all the time. See him on fucking Mike Florio's show. What the fuck does this guy do? And he's advocating for all the shit on the football. And I, don't- I just don't get it. But anyway... And one more thing I'm pissed about is I'm seeing all these posts on Twitter and all these TikToks. I don't have a TikTok, but I see them on Snapchat. And I see all these, you want this, and they'll show a picture of a full college football stadium. Then do this, and they'll show a picture of people wearing a mask. Now, I don't, I know that every governor, I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican, I don't care. They're all drunk on power, and they'll do whatever they can, they can to assert their control over the population. The American people, I should say. Whether you wear, you really think that whether you and your friends and your family wear a mask outdoors or in a restaurant or whatever, wherever you go, is going to make a difference on whether, whether, you know, the Badgers have a game full of fans? I don't think so. It's, it's just, I mean, because, I mean, I've been he- hearing for three weeks now that Houston's hospitals are going to be completely overwhelmed, but it still has not happened yet. But anyway, I had kind of a thought on how to handle this situation because on this sad day from Paul Feinbaum and all, all these scrubs, all these scrubs and these scumbags are trying to get college football pushed back from fall to spring. Which makes absolutely no sense to me. It makes no no sense. Of course, we already had all the Cal State schools announcing they're not coming back with classes in until spring semester at the earliest. Mark Emmert earlier said that if there are no students on campus for in-person classes, there will be no sports. Now... Um, what I what I think a lot of these colleges are doing is they're proxy 
moving to online. They don't want to cancel and go to online because they'll have massive amounts of dropouts and student athletes leaving and transferring to other schools. Foreign students are also under a threat because if they're at a school with no in-person classes, they could be deported, which is unfortunate, and that shouldn't be happening to a student-athlete. But it's just... then. So then today, um, Harvard comes out, announces... I mean, so, so a lot of these schools have been pretty... Um, pretty quiet on what they're doing. They're trying to mask it up so they can keep enrollment high. But Harvard announced that not only are they having fall semester online, they're having the whole year online. And you know what? At this point, the people I feel the most bad for are the law students because they're the ones at loss here. Because law school and having lectures in person are the most important thing. So now that today, today, um, we have, or sorry, this week we have the Ivy League voting on whether or not they want to move their season back until spring for football, which make, it just, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And that's going to have a very big time, um, effect on these games because you think about it, um, for example, I know Army, the Army, whatever they're called, I don't know their name, but the Gold Knights, I think they are, the Army. Army West Point has a game against Bucknell this year. Bucknell, sorry, they're in the Patriot League. Um, so that's Harvard, Yale, Crim, or Yale, Cornell. I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure Cornell plays someone. I think they play Indiana, I think it is. No, the, Cornell plays Syracuse, I believe. But I think Lafayette, Lafayette and Buck, or Lafayette plays someone in the F. They play, I can't remember they play. But, um, I, I, anyway. These schools will be, will be have FBS schools in the fall on their schedule. Let's not forget how college basketball got canceled uh, last year and college sports got canceled last year. It started with the Ivy League announcing they're canceling their whole sports season for all of spring. And what happened after that? The ACC was next. Then individual schools like Kansas announced we're going to file suit until eventually t- or Mark Emmert was announced to... Um, say we're going to cancel the whole thing ourselves. And that could very well be what's happening here. The activists in the Ivy League are going to try to take charge of this. So I'm very interested to see what will happen. But the Ivy League commissioners have no... In- what, what they don't realize is this could be a very well... This could very well end up being a backstabbing situation on them. Because like I said in one of my previous podcasts, I mean... If there is no college football in the fall, that could just absolutely gut the NCAA for for not just like this year, but I mean forever. We have seen a parade of schools cut schools. Like I'm telling you, if there is no college football season this year, there is going to be a purge of college sports, particularly in the non-revenue category. And... It's going to lead to a lot of disaster. I'll say that. And what people don't realize is for all these people calling for social justice, these so-called woke crowd, so-called people that care so much about diversity, what they don't realize is that college sports plays such a major role 
in helping those in the minority community. You have a lot of people that are extremely talented athletic-wise, but they come from rough backgrounds. They might not be in the greatest school system. They could be the greatest athlete in whatever football, basketball, track especially. They get, in, they get around a, a, the strongest group of people they could possibly ask for, get a strong coach and a strong juco, work their asses off, get the, you know, start performing well on track and start getting pushed to do well in school, and they finally realize what their passions and talents are, and they get to become a star Division One track athlete, most, most times All-American, and they get to a high-paying job that people in their common backgrounds cannot get to because they were not on the student-athlete track. But you're going to see, you could see a number of, uh, you know, track programs, tennis programs, women's swimming, women's, all these sports could be just slashed forever. You could also see schools like Minnesota, um, Auburn, all these schools leaving the NCAA if there is no football this fall. And it's, it's, this could be the beginning of the end of the NCAA. It could be a total, I don't know what's going to go on with it. But then you also have um, uh, football is played in the fall, and the draft is on April 27th. Do you really think the Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence's of the world are going to play? Because pretty much everyone that I've, I've every mock draft I've seen, I've had Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence of the top two quarterbacks. And it's been pretty much the same. I don't see what changes from if it, if if, I, if I'm the, if if there is college football in the spring, guys like them are going to be sitting out because they only have to lose from playing. So I mean, and you could also see a number of guys like the Chuba Hubbards and um, the Jamar Chases of the world announcing they're going to sit out too. The Rondale Moors of the world. This could become a complete disaster. I don't want to see this happen. So I had an interesting proposal. That is, for indoor stadiums, any sport, whether it be basketball, football, hockey, um, wrestling, no fans except for maybe a few parents, family members. But outdoor, I mean, outdoor Facilities, I'd say, you know, if 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 you if you want, if you're you know a stadium and you want the their fans to wear masks, have them wear masks. But so far, from what the information that we have, one of the best natural things that could be used to fight the virus is vitamin D and sunlight. You don't want people sitting inside because then they're going to you know. Stay close to more people and spread the virus probably even more. And I'm sorry to say, okay, I'm sorry. Well, we don't need to. The government does not need to come out and say, "Hey, you guys are having no fans." If there are games in the fans with fans, and you are to go to a football game with a seventy thousand seat stadium with in your old or have an underlying health condition. And you die from getting infected at a college football game or NFL game with fans. I'm sorry, but you are a loser. I don't know what you're missing out on because, I mean, 
what thought could possibly cross your head where you say, I'm going to go to a game with all these young kids that had the virus and, and risk death? That's just stupid. It's just stupid. I mean, I don't see the solution. I mean, Illinois has got bans of gathering more, bans has banned gatherings of more than ten people for the foreseeable future until there's a vaccine. Uh, so football's not going to be allowed there, anyways. But I don't see when this ends. You wait for a vaccine that may never even come. You wait for Bill Gates to vaccine you. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of joking about that. I'm no conspiracy theorist, no big Bill Gates guy. But I mean, seriously, are you going to wait for a vaccine? Is that is this what's going to take? Because I, I cannot wait for the day where the, they show the news report of all these old ass people taking these. Stupid vaccines that probably won't even be the most effective in the first place. But anyway, I also had a few uh, college football thoughts to close things out. Um, I've been looking a lot into the, these college football team schedules so far. Been looking a lot into the college football um, schedules and all that. There have only been a handful of teams that have gone undefeated in the regular season in back-to-back years. Um Clemson's the most recently recent team to do it. I, I don't think there's really been a team that's won three straight seasons with full undefeated seasons. And could Clemson uproot that? I'm not sure, but it's possible. Looking at their schedule, um, so that's Clemson. That's Clemson. Ohio State. I had a tough time finding a loss in their schedule. I think there's a great chance they go 11 0. They have Justin Fields back. They have Trey Sermon. They have pretty much their entire All American offensive line returning. They also have. Chris Olave, along with small American uh, high school wide receivers coming in. I still think they're much more talented than Penn State is, so I'm interested to see what will happen with this. Also got a couple of win totals here. Baylor, The Baylor Bears are at 7.5 wins for the season win total. Um, I think it's going to be really tough when they get there. Um, you look at this team, they had a lot of... They didn't really win it with you know particular star power. And I think that... Um, they had their quarterback coming back, their running back, and some of their wide receivers, but they lose pretty much their entire defense. And they're at seven and a half. Keep in mind, this is the same team that on their schedule has um, Ole Miss on a neutral site. They they have a Louisiana Tech team that won ten games last year and also beat the Miami Hurricanes in their bowl game. They have to play Oklahoma at Oklahoma, Texas at Texas. They have to play, I believe, at Iowa State, maybe. They have to play K-State, which is never easy to play. They have to play at Oklahoma State, arguably the third best team in the conference. Sorry, they play them at home, I believe. But either way, my point is this is not an easy schedule in any way at all. And I don't see how they can get to seven and a half, over 7.5 wins. Same thing with... uh. Texas A&M, they're nine and a half. This the challenging part is, I mean, you they have Bama, LSU, and Auburn all on their schedule. That does not include the cross division game of South of their game at South Carolina, which is not necessarily an easy place to play. It's not a guarantee that you're going to win. They also play Ole Miss and they play at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's not going to be an easy team to beat with Mike Leach and KJ, KJ Costello coming in. So I kind of like that one so far. I like the Virginia over six and a half so far. I mean, a lot of defensive talent coming back in uh, offensive productions. But anyway, those are some of my thoughts. And uh, yeah, should be good.